Welcome to episode three of F Stop Collaborate and Listen, a landscape photography podcast by Matt Payne. Uh, today's guest was John Secord. Uh, he is based out of New Hampshire. Um, I found out about John through a bunch of fellow friends on Facebook. Uh, we were in a we were in a, a Facebook <laughs> chat room, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, where we basically just talked about night photography and looking for uh, staying up to date on chasing the aurora and night uh, northern lights and things like that. And I've just grown to really enjoy his photography and his um, his demeanor and the way that he approaches uh, photography in general. I just really enjoyed that. And so I reached out to him and he got him on the podcast, which I was really excited about. And um, I think you guys will really like our conversation. We covered a ton of topics. Um, spent a lot of time talking about Instagram and social media and stuff like that. But uh, I think I think you guys will like this one. Enjoy. I'm pretty impressed with this microphone too. Yeah, I'm psyched. Cool. So uh, we're recording. <laughs> Don't worry about it though. Oh, weird. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, John Secord. Uh, is that how you say your name? Yeah, Secord. 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 Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I guess I, we've been friends on Facebook for like five years or something, so I never actually had to pronounce your name. <laughs> It's funny. That's how it, it goes with photography. It seems like I I quote unquote know a ton of people, but you know may have even never talked to them online or anything like that. Just like comment back and forth or whatever. Yeah, totally. But. Yeah, I was uh I did my interview with Aaron Babnick uh, earlier this week, and we were throwing a bunch of names out there, and I butchered so many names. <laughs> <laughs> She's so awesome, man. I'm psyched that you had her on. It's uh, yeah. t- tough shoes to fill, but she's so. Her photography is so good and just like her writing and and like I saw the interview she did in the UK uh, for a yeah. conference and she's just she's great man yeah she's on it man uh, she was telling me about this uh, this it's almost like a workshop slash like conference that she got invited to yeah, Acadia. Present- yeah that's the one man uh, uh, it sounds freaking awesome yeah, her and uh, Thomas Heaton, who's awesome as well. Like he's gonna be up there, and um, a few other people I'm not super familiar with. But uh, yeah, that should be cool. I, I was I'm hoping they get a chance to shoot so they can just put us all to shame, <laughs> all the all us locals. <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. I think they're they're having a lobster dinner too as part of that thing. <laughs> yeah, is... I think yeah. She said it was like a giant like lobster cook off and like like. I guess they're doing like you know like art history and like all just like all kinds of cool topics that you can get into. Yeah, it's that should be super fun and and Acadia is awesome, man. We were just up there last weekend, I think it was, and I, I go 
you know, fairly often. It's like a five and a half hour drive, but um, it's worth it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I've seen um, like you know Mike Taylor and Aaron Priest, and those guys are seems like they're up there quite a bit. Yeah, they're they're a little bit closer. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but close closer than I am. That's for sure. Yeah. But. So I have never. So you're in uh, New Hampshire. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, Meredith, New Hampshire. Meredith. Yeah. So what's uh what's what's in Meredith? Um. It's it's honestly it's a pretty popular touristy spot. Um, it's called it's an area called the Lakes Region. So okay. um, there's a bunch of different lakes. Uh, Meredith is on like the biggest lake around. Okay. Um, like the the main part of town is is on a, a lake called Lake Winnipesaukee. Um, but there's a ton of other ones around. It's it's nice. Like people that come up here really like it. Um, I'm not a huge fan just because uh, like every foot of shoreline is developed. So, uh, you know, you, you try to get a photo and you get, you know, a bunch of random people's houses and their boats and stuff in the frame. So it's funny. People always ask me, they're like, oh, you must have so many photos of this area. I'm like, I'd never shoot here ever. <laughs> really. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a nice area. It's a cool spot because, um, you know, to get up to the mountains is like an hour, you know, an hour and a half, depending on where you go. To get to the coast, it's about the same. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's like a pretty cool central spot. But um yeah, I like it. So is that uh, originally where you're from, or? Yep. Yeah, I grew up here. Okay. Okay. And is that uh, kind of where you're planning on staying? Oof. Uh, <laughs> no, I I really don't know. You know, when I went out to Utah, we went out two years in a row. Uh-huh. I, re- I really loved it out there, and it's it's crazy, man. Just how many opportunities to shoot are out there. Yeah. You know, it's like if you were to live. I mean, I, you know, you know, I'm not sure exactly how, how your area is in, in Colorado, but like everything in every direction, it's amazing that, you know, the first year we went out there, my buddies are at, from around here were asking how it was. And I'm like, dude, the, the view from the Walmart in this town is better than anything we have in New England. <laughs> <laughs> Just massive mountain range, you know, backdrop of Walmart. But, um, I'm not sure I, uh, for now, for sure, I'm, I'm going to stick around, but, um, you know, my, my girlfriend and I have talked about maybe moving to the seacoast. Oh, let, okay. let me close Facebook so it's not dinging. Um, yeah, maybe moving over to the coast or moving a little bit closer to the mountains. I'm not exactly sure yet, but, you know, for now, like I said, it's it's not too bad because it's fairly central to everything. And Sure. You know. Yeah, uh, so I'm in Durango, which is like southwest Colorado. Um, so I'm like three hours from Moab, five from the Grand Canyon. <sighs> Uh, but then like, um, you know, Canyonlands isn't far. Um, but then in Col- in the Colorado area here, I've got basically all of the San Juan mountains, which is basically the best mountains in Colorado. Um, basically 30 to 45 minutes away, I'm in the best mountains <laughs> and uh, then I can get into the desert pretty easy. Um, so it's a, it's a great spot to be. I mean, Telluride's like two and a half hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rub it in a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, I just moved here a year and a half ago, so I haven't explored as much as I'd like yet, but, um, I mean, I moved here mostly just because of the mountains and that's kind of more what I'm into shooting and being in, but for sure, yeah, for sure. Like there's, I mean, I went to the Grand Canyon for a rafting trip a couple of weeks ago, and on the way back, we drove through, 
um, like north, like I guess it'd be northeastern Arizona, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Monument Valley's like right there. And I was like, holy shit, that is, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a, it's just incredible, man. Like the last time we went to Utah, which was in uh, November of last year, like we we drove around quite a bit. Like we went over to Page, um, uh-huh. you know. We stopped at Horseshoe Bend, didn't shoot. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon or something. But um, that area is so cool, man. I, I, you know, we've been twice, and it's like I already want to go back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's pretty popular place to shoot, but you know, there's that's, a reason for that. <laughs> that's the thing too, and I, you know, like there's a couple of photographers from around here. We get into these like you know philosophical photography discussions on the long drives, and it's like there's so much more to work with out west like everything is just so dramatic and epic but there's so many more photographers and it, it seems like you have to work a little bit to get those unique perspectives you know you do for sure um well i mean i i guess depends on what you know if you shoot for it's funny i had this conversation with aaron a little bit but it's like if you shoot for yourself and you you're looking for interesting compositions that speak to you instead of just seeking out those popular locations that everyone has that, you know, that iconic shot of. Yep. Um, I, th- I feel like there's probably more opportunities for that out here, but yeah, I tend to avoid those kind of more popular locations as much as I can. Um, yeah. I've been starting to kind of, to get into that mindset a little bit more myself around here. It's, there's like the same kind of spots that everyone goes to and, what's what's frustrating is it's like you know if you do happen to find a new spot that kind of hasn't been done in a certain way you know the second you put it out on facebook and instagram it's like you know the the next year or whatever you know people go and just try to recreate like the exact same thing you know i Uh, do yeah so i'm I'm trying to find some kind of off the beaten path stuff this year just to just to see I, i think it's more fulfilling anyway for me i love seeing new spots you know oh i'm the same way yeah it's un. I, uh, there's a spot in Eastern Colorado that's pretty close to my hometown of Colorado Springs that I, when I first got into night photography, I went out there a lot and shot the night sky and like, there wasn't a lot of people, A, shooting that spot, but B, shooting night photography either, you know, Sure. back then and like, you know, sure enough, within a year and a half, two years, like (laughs) everyone in Colorado Springs had their, it's called Paint Mines Interpretive Park. Everyone had their paint mines photo. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's this kind of the way it goes, you know. It is. I know there's like a couple areas, um, kind of up into Canada, like the eastern side of Canada, and um, there's a one photographer. Oh, you know, you probably know Adam Woodworth. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Like he's been shooting up there, and like uh, he, you know, in the last year, and I had never even really seen any of that stuff, and I, and now it's like I want to go up there and explore myself. So I guess right, it's kind of the. <laughs> kind of the way it goes i suppose you know yeah there's nothing wrong with it it's kind of just the nature of photography i guess sure um so yeah let's talk a little bit about um i mean we've already touched on a little bit it's one of my favorite topics right now it seems like you and i kind of share this topic when we talk on facebook and whatnot is like social media and the gamification of social media (laughs) and how that and had to some degree how some of that is how that plays into f- landscape photography um and the business of landscape photography so i'm just i don't know 
like there's so many different angles we could take on that topic but I know uh, where to where to begin <laughs> right I mean you had posted that article about the people that basically just <laughs> buy followers um, and it's interesting because you can see when that happens because they have this huge spike of followers and then they have a huge spike of people that unfollow them and it's it's so interesting like when when I've tried to reach out to those kind of people and you ask them like how did you how did you do that and they're like oh like a couple of big pages shared my photo and I was like I don't think that's right yeah convenient you're lying yeah because <laughs> I I've had big sites share my photos and you know I get like maybe 20 followers out of it but it's not like you get this huge surge it's weird because it, it used to I mean it seems like it used to be a little bit better as far as getting featured in those big pages like um I had that photo of Pemaquid Lighthouse with the roses yeah, um, yeah that's sick that shot is so sick I'm hoping I'm hoping to kind of go recreate that with some better gear this year but that's like a whole nother thing but um yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so when that when I first put that photo out Discover Earth shared it like right away oh, uh-huh. and yeah. I forget like I, at the time, like that was like one of the bigger feature accounts. I forget how many how many followers they had, but um, between that and like Facebook and stuff, like my phone was just freezing up with notifications, um, which was really, <laughs> it was a, it was such a surreal surreal thing. But um, I think I got like a couple hundred followers from that. Sure. Um, this was jeez, uh, like three or four years ago. Right. Um, but yeah, now it seems like getting a big feature like that really isn't really that big of a deal anymore it doesn't it doesn't have that huge of an impact on like getting a lot of new followers or or activity but um, right it's such a weird time man like such a weird time to be a photographer and and to deal with social media it's funny like i i talk to my girlfriend or, or people that aren't photographers and they just it doesn't they don't even they have no idea about any of this stuff you know i don't know why right. they don't care. there's no reason to care really if you're not you know, kind of trying to utilize social media like this, but, um, you know, I, I shared some of that stuff and I got into a few discussions, you know, about why I even cared. And, you know, it's crazy right now with Instagram, especially like the amount of money that's being tossed around, um, you know, whether it's like sponsored posts or, um, people selling accounts or any of that type of stuff. I don't think that's really as common with photographers as far as like, you know, building up a huge following with their with their work and then selling accounts but feature accounts do that i know that for sure oh um, right it's it's funny sometimes you'll be scrolling through your feed and you're like i don't even remember following this account and it's because someone bought it when they had like a hundred thousand followers and then just changed the name you know yeah um, i've had that experience a few times too where you're like why are they posting photos of sunglasses yeah it's so like, weird i don't want to buy sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, is like, I think what the reason I care a little bit about this, about like all the fake followers and like um, all the money being made in, in that world is that I think what eventually is going to happen is Instagram is going to crack down on that stuff. And they're going to be like, well, look, every, you know, there's a lot of money being being made. There's a lot of money being spent. We want some of that. And I think that's going to be like the real catalyst to being sort of like Facebook, where you have to pay to reach even the people that follow you already you know yeah i've noticed um because you know i run my my photography page on both instagram and facebook too and i've noticed you know like they they're always asking you to sponsor a post and then they kind of tell you like if you spend twenty dollars you'll reach this many more people 
And what I've noticed in the last probably two or three weeks for some reason is that that reach estimate has gone way up. So I'm wondering if, hmm. and I've noticed that I'm getting a lot more ads on my on my um, feed. Sure. So I'm, I'm wondering if they've changed, like, like, I think people were bitching about the low rate of return on investment for those ads. Cause I've, I've used those ads a few times on Facebook, like if I'm trying to sell some prints or something and, mm-hmm. and like you spend like 50 bucks or something, which maybe that's not a lot of money to spend on Facebook. I don't know. But I've you spend like spent fi- that much. I've <laughs> I never I, Yeah. I think I spent 50 bucks and I was trying to just, I was trying to, well, I had like a sale for like two weeks or something on prints. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think I basically made my money back on my ad (laughs) yeah see like i've done it a few times i've done a few ads on facebook i've never tried them on instagram just because it just i feel like the audience is a little bit different like Uh uh-huh like i feel like on facebook that's where i get print sales if i do get them is usually through facebook Uh uh-huh i can probably count on one hand the amount of times i mean granted that's kind of relying on people telling me where they saw my work yeah, um, but I can count on one hand how many times people will be like, "Oh, I saw this on Instagram and I wanted the print." Um, yeah, I think I've had it happen to me twice. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I don't know what that is. If it's just like the demographic that t- tends to be on Facebook, it's like a little bit older people with money. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think people are buying less and less photography. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I don't know. Like most of my print sales now are to like businesses that are trying to like put you know artwork on their walls in their new building or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of direction i'm starting to try to head in is marketing more towards like that aspect or um sort of the higher end clients because like i said this is a a pretty touristy area so there's a lot of people that have you know lake mansions basically it's like their second home yeah Um, we've got some of that up here too for sure yeah so i'm i'm trying that's why i my website is in a state of just disarray i've been kind of neglecting it as i <laughs> kind of transition to you know shifting my focus a little bit um, yeah but. well i feel the same as you do about the gamification of social media maybe people would just say i'm not business minded enough because i tend to rely much more on just organic reach and like you know i've seen a lot of people that i i know and respect but you know as soon as they put a new photo out they share it to like 25 groups they share it to like every like publication or news page in their area in the hopes that like one or two of those will reshare their photo and if you do that every single time your odds of course are going to be much higher of that happening but it's like for one how fucking tedious is that (laughs) yeah that's yeah. And two, it just looks desperate to me. Like, please share my photo. Like, so like everyone I see doing that has way more followers than I do. And I don't think it's because their work is better than mine. I think it's just because they're, for lack of a better word, they're whoring the system, no, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I see that, you know, from a few photographers kind of around here that, that do the same thing. And it's, you know, if it works for them, that's cool. But like, there's no way I'm spending my time doing that. And I agree. It feels like needy. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, just, just blasting it out. I mean, I know I get annoyed. 
I think it's it's one of those things. Like I'm sure you know your Facebook is sort of the same way. It's like right. There's so many photographers. Like there's so much just photography like coming up in my feed that it it's even more annoying when someone is post is just blasting the same photo out to like every single group. It's like oh my god. Right. Um, but there's yeah there's just no way that I would want to spend my time doing that you know you would think that you just put out the good work and it kind of speaks for itself and it it garners enough attention but that's not the case though i mean the signal to noise ratio is so high now (laughs) i mean well part of it is that there's so much good photography out there and then the other part of it is that there's just so many more people doing it and so like it drives me bonkers i mean uh, maybe i just shouldn't care so much but like you'll see someone who has a just awful photos just <laughs> terrible and they have like 200,000 Facebook fans and you're like what happened here <laughs> yeah. I know yeah and yeah I don't, I don't know about that stuff it's so weird to me and the thing is isn't like I think a lot of photographers are feeling the same way it's like I'm just gotten kind of burnt out on the whole thing you know I, I kind of wonder if the time has passed where it's like really easy to build up like a bigger following like that. uh-huh um, yeah you know mate i don't even know if if blasting out work like to you know every place imaginable is even going to be that beneficial at this point no i think it's all i mean i mean so i i don't spend a lot of time looking at the data on my page but like you know everyone's all just be curious and i definitely see a uptick in like engagement when you post it out to like a two or three pages or groups or whatever but it's not it's not super significant no and the thing is too so many of those groups are are just other photographers right um which is like i love you know like the community of of photographers and everything like that but i don't i'd much rather reach five customers or potential customers than 500 other photographers you know totally well and depends on what you're selling so i think workshops (laughs) exactly so nowadays like if if you want to sell workshops or skype lessons or or ebooks or whatever um like that is good to have your photos or whatever reach an audience of other photographers Um, yeah that's that's a great point yeah i didn't even really think about that too too much yeah i mean there's 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 a handful of people out there that I think that's the only reason they're posting to social media is to advertise their workshops. Sure. I mean, they'll post a photo and it's not like they're trying to get people to buy the photo. They're trying to trying to get people excited about coming on a workshop with them. I know it's funny, just like randomly, you know, being bored like the other week, I was looking through a couple of like photographers websites and they didn't even have options to buy prints. It was just, just, they had amazing work. I'm sure they would sell prints if they wanted to, but it was all, you know, that type of stuff, the workshops and the videos and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, but. I'm sure people have, they know, like, if you want to make money at photography anymore, it's you have to teach. <laughs> it's like uh, the people making money during the gold rush were uh, selling shovels. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's but. a good point. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so one of the other topics that... Um, that you you touched on in our in our kind of chat before we set this up was another topic that I often struggle with, and that's um, motivation. Sure. Um, yeah, that 
I find myself personally like I'll go I'll go like two or three weeks where I shoot almost every day and then I'll go a month or two without shooting at all mm-hmm. um, and I just it's super streaky for me so and I don't know if it's motivation or if it's just like eh I don't really feel like shooting right now or what it is but I definitely feel that that's a topic a lot of people struggle with for sure you know it's I've noticed this winter too like this has not been a very productive winter for me uh-huh. um, at, at all which is so frustrating sometimes but um, it's been tough man like you know we've gotten quite a bit of snow this year um, and I really desperately need like some winter scenes for my portfolio yeah. I don't I don't have anything really that I like that much um, and that's that was my goal last winter too last winter wasn't wasn't really great either but um we got a bunch of snow this year but every storm it'd be super super windy um so none of the trees would have snow and it just didn't look that great uh or um or it wasn't windy and the snow was super dry so there was a lot of happy skiers and snowboarders i'm sure like the skiing was just insane but um it it never really stuck to the trees and it didn't it didn't look the way i wanted at all yeah um and like we made you know a bunch of trips down to the coast to try to get some stuff and i just i couldn't i couldn't get it right man like every time that the weather would look good it just wouldn't pan out and it can be so frustrating it's like you know you make 10 you know three hour round trips over the course of a month and you have nothing to show for it and it's so disheartening um yeah that's the biggest uh that's partly why i lose motivation sometimes especially if you have uh a run of those kind of days or nights where you head out and you're like super excited you do all this planning to get a shot or two and then like nothing goes right like either there's like fog or that covers everything or there's no clouds or there's tons of clouds or whatever and like that is like one of the most frustrating things as a landscape photographer i think and like you know on the flip side of that that's what makes it so fun sometimes it's like you know when things finally do line up and it's better than you could have even hoped for it's like it's bliss man oh yeah but if you don't get those every now and again it's just like man what the fuck am i doing you know yeah you're like why am i spending so much time on this (laughs) yeah and it's it's been tough you know i'm not i don't particularly like winter that much i guess i'm i'm probably living in the wrong place um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. North the northeast isn't exactly the like i mean you got what like seven months of winter or something oh my god sometimes it feels like that man it's like you know technically it's spring right now but like there was a couple flurries out when i was just out i was cleaning my car and there was a couple flurries and like we just got a bunch of snow like i don't know a week or two ago um but and the thing is is it's like we just got these extended like they you know i don't know if they call it the same thing out west but they call it like stick season here where all the trees just leave they lose all their leaves uh it just looks i don't know man just barren and kind of gross yeah so i'm just i'm i'm so excited for like lush like really spring weather and i think it's gonna pick up but just getting to that point has been uh, frustrating yeah that's that's basically what spring is like in colorado because it's like all the snow is melting and it's just muddy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the trees don't have leaves on them yet. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, like usually November is not the best. Mm-hmm. November and December, usually it's pretty, 
kind of blah because it's you know there's no leaves and but you know we have huge mountains that we can go shoot like alpenglow on and stuff so that helps sure yeah and there's <laughs> and there's and there's like some you know some decent sized mountains you know not compared to colorado but um sure yeah some, some nice mountains here like mount washington is is the biggest mountain around and and that's at like it's it's a little bit over six thousand feet uh something like that and uh it's amazing up there, but you know their their claim to fame is they call it the world's worst weather. Um, <laughs> I forget when it was, but they had like the highest recorded wind speed um, for a while. I think some place broke it like at some point, but um, oh it's, yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, it's super super gnarly up there, um, and like that range is awesome in the winter. But uh, you know we'd be. You know, we'd be looking at the weather, you know, hoping to go hiking, and it's like, okay, it's a uh, hundred mile an hour winds, it's negative, right. negative fifty with wind chill. It's like, well, that's not. I don't want photos that bad, you know. <laughs> no, I totally know. <laughs> so when I bought, I bought, I bought a new camera this winter, and I was like super anxious to go use it, but it was like, it was like negative fifteen degrees, and like no clouds and i'm like uh and i ended up going out and shooting and i got some okay shots but it was just like god i i don't know how people get into shooting this much all the time you just have to love it i guess i don't know i mean i do love it but it's so like much I, extra work just yeah. to like get out there it's like you know you gotta like outfit yourself so no skin is exposed and like there's just so much that goes into it you know right and i i was dressed I thought I was dressed pretty good and within like 15 minutes of composing a few shots, my feet were frozen. <laughs> so how, like, how have you liked that camera so far? I like it a lot, man. Um, the a7R2. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's way smaller and lighter than the D800, which is what I was shooting before. Sure. Um, I guess the only like the battery issue hasn't bothered me, you know the the, the shorter battery life, mm-hmm. you know I just have more of them. Yeah. Plus, like, um, look, the one of the reasons why I picked the A7R2 is that you can actually have an external battery uh, powering it while it's on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, I have one of those like twenty thousand. I don't know what's that measurement they use to measure how much. Volts, the milliamps or whatever. <laughs> I just showed my ignorance big time on that one, but yeah. So go on, go on. But yeah, you can just get one of those and plug it into the camera, and it'll basically keep it running for like days on end. Oh, nice. Uh, so like, if you're doing like time lapse or night shots, like where you you know star trails or something, like you just throw that thing on there, and it connects via micro USB and. It just powers the camera until you don't need it to anymore. It's it's that's nice. The only bad thing is the lack of weather sealing. Sure. Um, I haven't had anything happen to my camera yet, and I took it with me on the rafting trip in the Grand Canyon and had no problems. But you know, I think it was Andrew Studer I saw he posted yeah. <laughs> like destroyed like seventy six cameras or something <laughs> like. Yeah. And yeah, he's a Sony, like he's. I think he's sort of sponsored by Sony. So, like, is he? yeah, they have a lot like, of like ambassadors like that. Yeah, uh, and 
I uh, I had an a uh, the first A seven R for a couple of months, and I was shooting, I was shooting a um, uh, waterfall in Oregon, and like I was probably eighty feet away from this waterfall, and like there was a lot of spray though, like just fine mist, mm-hmm. and the camera just turned off, yeah. and it wouldn't turn back on, <laughs> huh. and I'm like I can't deal with that, but I haven't had any problems with that so far. But uh, that's the only kind of thing I'm worried about with it is just, you know, being up and having it as your only camera and then being up on a backpacking trip or something. And then like one day in, it just decides not to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just asked because I probably around like June, I'm going to scoop up something, you know, whether it's the A10 or, or the A7R2. Yeah. What are you shooting now? The, <laughs> seven, the yeah. 750 or something? Yep, 750. Okay, yeah. It's a sick camera, man. That thing is awesome. Um, I would just, I'd love to have a little bit more megapixels. I have people asking for bigger prints, like, often. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, other than that, like, I have no complaints. This thing is so good. Yeah, what is that, like, 24? Yeah, it's 24. Yeah. Not bad, but, um, you know, I have people asking for, like, 40 by 60s. And... Yeah, I just I just printed a 40 by 60 on metal for someone. Ooh, yeah. It, is yeah it and it looks fucking awesome yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no like pixelation or anything like that like it looks super clean that's yeah that's why i want that's why i kind of want the a7r2 i don't know I'll, i'm gonna have to decide when it gets to that point but it's a good it's a great camera i mean um they've fixed a lot of the problems with the pri- previous version you know it's got that five axis um stabilization and um you know the only the only downfall which isn't a big deal for me because i don't shoot a lot of wildlife but like there's not a lot of telephoto options unless you get like the the they call it the tap or the i think it's the t-chart whatever it's like a autofocus adapter that you can use on basically any lens yeah Um, i've shot some wildlife like you know when it's like just happens to be wherever I'm walking or hiking or whatever, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, don't you, you got some cool shots of the snowy owls, don't you? Yeah, for sure. Um, that, that was the Tammy 150 to six. Yeah. Yeah. The first one, I think is, uh-huh. uh, I don't know, not my favorite lens ever, but, um, my mom has that lens and fucking loves it. Really? I see when I first got it, like I was psyched just because I had never had something that without much reach. Yeah. Um, but, Dude, the amount of dust inside that lens is insane. Oh, really? Insane. I mean, I don't, I don't baby my lenses or or my gear at all, really. But it's yeah. not like, you know, just because it, you know, it's not like an internal zoom or anything. So like every time you zoom in or out, it just sucks dust inside, and it's <laughs> it is crazy. I need to send that thing in. I actually just sent my fifteen to thirty in the Tamron, and they got it back to me so fast. Nice. Yeah. So. How are you liking that lens? I love it. I love it, dude. It's so sharp. Yeah, I've got um, a good friend of mine, Kane Engelbert, has that lens for his Canon. Dude, his work and, is and, so good. Oh, I know, dude. He's <laughs> he's and no, like he's not super well known either. Yeah, no, nah, his work is insane. Yeah, it's, it's so clean. But yeah, the, yeah, the lens is nice. it's heavy. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's it's I I deal with it, you know. Yeah, I I kept the fourteen to twenty four, um, and picked up a, picked up a Metabones or whatever. Mm-hmm. What is it? Metabones. I don't know what I picked yeah, up. Yeah, 
the better bones, yeah. Oh, I got the Nova Flex. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, so I'm still using my 14 to 24, but <laughs> that thing's still amazing, though, you know. Yeah, it's there's. I mean, I don't know. I to I it's still my favorite lens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, but I, I I keep I keep bouncing around. It's like my ADD brain. Um, but yeah, the the wildlife stuff like. I've shot a few things um, for a little while. Like I was pretty stoked on it, and I was going. I was like actively pursuing that stuff for a while. Sure. Um, just cause it's so different, you know. It's so cool. Um, it's like hunting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. My <laughs> my dad, my dad and my brother are big into hunting. It's like I've never been into it, but um, yeah. But like, I I kind of got what they see in it, I guess. Like going out and and looking for wildlife because it's it's so cool, man. It's like a lot of times you know it doesn't work out it's like at first you're tempted to kind of push things like you know you mm-hmm. see a, a fox and you try to get too close and it's like yeah your success rate is going to be you know horrific oh yeah but uh but you kind of learn like you know if you stay back and kind of just like don't move and you know sit st- you know sit still for hours the fox or whatever it is will get comfortable and like you'll get so much better shots and it's such a cool thing I, yeah. I love the owls. Like I was, I was going around looking for owls for a long time, and it's so cool. Yeah, I had a three hundred f four for a while with a one point six tele or one point four teleconverter for mm-hmm. a while, and I, I was trying to find wildlife and I could never just find anything to shoot. It's crazy, <laughs> it, man. Every time I go out to find something, I'm like, well, didn't find anything. I know some <laughs> of the the dudes around here that like that's their thing, and uh, yeah they get some amazing shots you know they're all shooting with like 600 f4 oh right whatever but um, ten thousand dollar lens yeah yeah exactly it's like people say that landscape photography gear is expensive it's like no not really it's not even close <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know with the snowy owls like that was cool um you know having them they they would migrate and um spend like the winter around new england um but dude, it, it is such a circus with those things. As soon as people find out where they are, oh, there's like a million people there. Yeah, that's why I stopped really going for it because it was so frustrating. It's like, you know, the majority of like the the serious wildlife photographers, like you know, ninety nine percent of them, like they're cool, they're respectful, they know that it's like if you get too close, like you, the photos aren't even going to be that cool, you know? Right. Um, but you know, and there's there's always a few bad eggs in every. Every oh, group. for sure. Um, but it was mostly like um, kind of the amateur photographers. It's like they have a, you know, 70 to 300 and they would like rush up on the owl and it would fly off and they would just fuck right, it up. Right. And everyone's and like, why did you do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the wildlife scene is like crazy to me. Like I said, there's the majority of people that are serious about it. Like they're ethical and, and respectful and all that stuff. But, um, yeah. but there's just, it's kind of low-hanging fruit sometimes. Like there's a there's a couple big um, like wildlife sanctuaries. Oh um, right, right. And like that's where I would go, and that's where most people go. And it's like, you know, you just drive, and then you see something, so you stop and and get out. So it it, it requires almost no effort, really. You know, it, uh-huh. it re- you can put as much effort in as you want. You know, there were dudes that would, you know, be out there for, you know, three four hours, and it's you know zero degrees out, and it's like, you know, that you can do that or you can sit in your heated car while it's running with a cup of coffee and like wait for something to move or whatever. Um, and there'd just be these massive crowds and just like so much ego. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And, uh, well, there's, 
That's one thing that I've noticed. I mean, I'm sure it's with any profession or hobby, but there is just a ton of ego in this field. It's crazy, man. And I don't get me wrong, like I'm no saint, you know. Like sure. <laughs> I just I just got I, I had to like check myself a little bit with my ego the other day because I called this dude out for posting a bunch of composites and like not not saying that they were you know oh and, yeah uh, we we I was, uh, little, I was a little holier than that and I'm like I'm being an asshole actually I was being I was I still feel like I was right but I was being like a dick you know yeah no I've been there for sure and people have done that to me too <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure that's a uh, so that's um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because um, one of the things I've noticed about you over the years is that, um, you know, we have a lot of our mutual friends on social media with similar um, interests and subjects and whatnot, you know, namely mm-hmm. the night sky. Uh, and what I've noticed over the years is that you're, um, you tend to be like just super positive and like if people are being really negative you're just like uh i'm out i don't have time for this so yeah tell me a little bit about what drives that i don't know man it's like to, to be completely honest it's like i can be i can be a very negative like pessimistic like asshole really you know to be honest <laughs> um i've gotten way better about it but it's like i i have to work to like stay positive and stuff like that that like i don't want to be around other people that are um kind of just like blatantly like just being mean you know or or having like yeah. you know crazy ego or it's just i don't know dude there's just you know there's no need to be around that it's like i could just spend my time doing so much better shit than like talking to people that are negative all the time right no i'm i'm with you there's a there's another Facebook group that I'm a member of um, just because someone added me to it and I stayed in it, but it's a secret group and it's like the name of it keeps changing depending on the f- the f- most ridiculous photo that people find. I don't know if you're a member of this group or no. not, but it's uh, it started out as just drop a moon in and it's like <laughs> basically they just find all of these horrible, horrible composites and post post them mm-hmm. and, and so like and Every once in a while, they'll post one where I'm like, that's actually pretty sweet. Like, yeah. I know it's a composite, and it's obvious that it's a composite, but, like, it's it's artful. Sure. And, it, and, and a lot of times people are – people. I find people are becoming more and more honest about composites. That's the uh, thing, man. Go on. Go on. Well, and, you know, I think I had this conversation with Aaron Babnick as well, but it's like um, I, th- I find that there's – it's so interesting to me like there's this huge schism in the landscape world of like well i guess there's a couple of schisms and then sub schisms (laughs) of like people who will absolutely never ever ever do a composite and then the people that will do a composite there's like half of them think that it's okay to just never disclose that it's a composite and then the other half are like you absolutely always have to disclose that it's composite and then there's some people that just blatantly lie that it's not a composite And it's like, yeah, it's like, and and then there's other people and I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to come around to this more myself. And it's like, who cares? (laughs) Like, if that's what they want to do with their artwork, um, and if it looks really bad to us, maybe it looks really good to someone else and who cares? It's such a weird, and and like, we could have talked about this stuff for like an hour. Just absolutely. It's such a weird thing. You know, 
for me, like the Milky Way composites can be annoying just because, and I'm sure you have dealt with this too. And, and I've actually like, cause I'll, I'll do, you know, public presentations like a couple times a year. Uh-huh. Um, like, you know, at like a camera club or whatever it is. Um, and I always put in a slide now that says like, Oh, it's all Photoshop though. Right. Cause I inevitably someone will ask anyway. Um, oh yeah. Is that Photoshopped? And like, and uh, you know, of course, like they don't even really understand that like Photoshop doesn't equal fake, you know? Um, right. Which is a whole like, other argument, but right, like digital sensors. Like if you're shooting raw, like <laughs> you have to use Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, and and depending on the crowd, if it's a camera club, then they can kind of understand. A lot of times, like I'm just presenting at like a um, like I just presented at this place. It's called the Squam Lake Association. It's like a um, association for people that live in in the area. Just like a clubhouse type deal. I don't I don't really know how to describe it, but it was about 50 50 photographers and and non-photographers and like trying to explain to them like what raw is and stuff it's like i could just talk the whole presentation about that stuff but right uh, but you know like there's been a bunch of people around here that have been posting um like they'll like mirror the milky way and just kind of just put put things in whatever place that fits their composition the best and Uh It's such a, it's just like annoying to me because, and they won't disclose that it's a, a composite or they'll, you know, yeah. delete your com- delete your comment if you're like, hey, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, with the Astro stuff, it's such, it's such like a, re- it's a relatively new thing, you know, like a new kind of genre of photography. Yeah. And it can be so hard to convince people, even just like a single frame, you know, relatively like unprocessed milky way shot people can have a hard time believing that it's real so it's like when people are just i don't know well and 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 what i try to tell people this is kind of the angle i just have been taking lately is that it's not real like Hmm. your eye can't see that sure like uh so yeah it's not real like it is how it is the camera's interpretation using various gear and sensors and lenses like our eyes don't see it 14 millimeters 2.8 right like yeah. and we and we can't like record data in our brain over a 30 second period of time um so like photography and this is another thing that aaron uh, actually brought up photography is actually quite horrible at showing reality sure um historically like if anything photography is been used in propaganda and otherwise to show things that aren't real at all mm-hmm. um, to make people think they are real so every time someone says like well that's not real I'm like you're right it's not it's <laughs> like you will never see this with your naked eye you know it's <laughs> funny people will complain about like I said like a, mil- like a single frame Milky Way image that's you know maybe has like a curve adjustment and that's pretty much it they'll complain yep. about that but I can take you know, a five second shot of a waterfall where I spend three hours like dodging and burning and like doing so much processing on and like no one will ever say anything about that. Yeah. yeah. But. Totally. Uh, it's funny if you start to think that way about like how uh, the camera is just a tool and and it's and and like it's there's nothing real about it. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing this isn't photojournalism either, like we're sure. not trying to show people things that are like based in 
reality, I guess, then it's a lot easier to start making the argument that like composites and all kinds of stuff is who cares. Sure. And it's it's funny because it's you could make the argument that I'm like the pot calling the kettle black because you know, I'll do I'll do uh you know, like a, a foreground exposure of a couple minutes with a sky sure. exposure of something or um Yeah, that's I'll, one of my favorite techniques. Yeah, or I'll do like exposure blending and and you know, because I'm not moving the camera, it's like I'm like, well it's different, you know, but maybe I'm just uh fooling myself but it's it's an interesting conversation regardless of of you know right and wrong or if that even right. exists you know yeah i mean i've i'm not ashamed to admit that i've taken shots of a scene where i know that the milky way is there at some point in time during the year <laughs> sure like but it wasn't that night because mm-hmm. i wasn't there like at the exact right time or whatever and i'll composite in where the milky way would have been Sure. Or if there was clouds or whatever, I'm not afraid to do that. But I'm also, I am a believer that if you're gonna do that kind of stuff, you have to say that you did it. Just and the only reason, the only reason I think that's important, is because if you don't do that, then people are gonna try to go out and do stuff that actually isn't possible. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I said, it's just it's it's definitely inter- I love talking about this stuff. Like kind of the more. I don't know, philosophical type discussions about photography. It's just, it's interesting, you know? It is interesting. It's uh, super interesting how opinionated people are about it. <laughs> and at, at the end of the day, it's it's almost like you could probably hear, like, it's almost like uh, if a bunch of painters got together and argued, like, well, if you use this kind of brush and this kind of paint, like, that's not real painting. <laughs> and it's like all of the people looking at the paintings, like, I don't give a shit what kind of paint yeah. you use. It looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never thought of it like that. That's uh, that's a great point. Uh, it's, it's it's just interesting how people are so passionate about that. And there's not a good reason or bad reason. It's just it is what it is. Sure. Um, uh, so one of the other things that, that you had listed that you wanted to talk about, which I thought was interesting because you were, it's kind of like not specific, but it's, uh, you said hiking gear. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you mean by that? One thing, because I know, I know you do, you know, some of the big hikes, you do the 14,000 footers out there. And, uh, I'm curious, like what you're using for your bag. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I've done all the 14ers. Um, kind of my my goal has been to climb the highest tundra mountains in Colorado, and I've got 11 to go. Um, and mm, I'd say about half require backpacking, and the other half are just day trips, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the cool things about Colorado. But um, so like uh, last summer, I did this pretty pretty intense backpacking trip over three days. Um, where I climbed like, I don't know, it was like eight or 10 miles up into this high mountain valley, uh, basin above tree line, set up, a, set up my tent. And then at 10 o'clock that night I got up, I didn't even go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I got out of, I got out of my tent. I climbed up to 13,000 feet between this, be, in the saddle of these two, um, high 13,000 foot peaks that are pretty rugged called jet, uh, turret and pigeon mm-hmm. and then i photographed the perseid from there perseid meteor shower i remember that yeah 
and then I climbed both of those mountains that next day, like from there. <laughs> yeah, I think I read like a blog post you did about that. That trip. Yeah, so basically, and that's that was a huge driver for me to switch um, camera systems, sure. just because of how fucking hard that day was. Because <laughs> I was carrying, I'm trying to remember now, <clears throat> the Nikon D800, Nikon 14 to 24, and Nikon 24 to 70. Yeah. Um, I wasn't carrying the 70 to 200, thank God. But because uh, that thing weighs like three and a half pounds by itself. The 2.8? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was car- So, my the bag that I use for backpacking now, it's an Osprey. Um, yeah. It's an Osprey uh, Exos 48. It weighs like 1.7 pounds. Mm hmm. And, um, Basically, I can carry all my lenses, um, my camera. Uh, I got an. Um, I've got a new. Um, this year, I bought a new tent, like a one-man tent. REI uh, cor- uh, one-man. I think it's what is it? The it's not the quarter dome, but it's like the one-man version of the quarter dome. It weighs like less than two pounds. Nice. And then I picked up a um, like super lightweight um sleeping bag which weighs like nothing like a buddy of mine got me super into ultralight gear last last year so like i have a spreadsheet where i track all my weight down to like the ounce (laughs) you started cutting off straps or anything on your bag yet i haven't been that hardcore yet but (laughs) like like that's the progression like you start (laughs) yeah like you start uh cutting straps off and like cutting tags off and All kinds of crazy shit. I haven't gotten that hardcore, but um, but yeah, I bring my stove. I have like a jet boil, um, and then I've got a uh, big Agnes. Um, I can't remember the name of the sleeping pad, but it's like I'm gonna say it's like two pounds or a pound. It's not very heavy. Mm-hmm. So I think I've got my base weight, including camera gear, down to like 25 pounds. Yeah, that's it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds- yeah. And when I first got into photography and backpacking, like in 2012, I was carrying like 60 pounds. Yep. yep. So um, that's just not sustainable, especially I'm 38. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to carry that much weight for very long anymore. It just, it just sucks, man. It's so, it's just brutal carrying that much gear. Like last it's, summer, yeah, I was working on a time-lapse film. Um, and my pack was so heavy. It's like every single hike I bring, you know, my, my 750, my 15 to 30, I had a 24 to 120 at the time. I actually ended up selling it, but, um, you know, a 50, I bring a bunch of, you know, all my gear, um, a bunch of filters cause I would need to have my filters for doing time lapse. It's like, you know, I'd have to bring like a 10 stop or whatever. Um, right. And then the syrup genie which is just like a five pound block basically it's like a brick in your backpack yeah and you know two tripods a slider and like and then you know some food and drinks and stuff like my pack it was so heavy and at the end of the day you know if i did a longer hike like you know i'd get home and take a shower and i'd have like these raw red marks on my shoulders because it's just so much gear to carry up like i never weighed the pack but it was horrible, man. I can't wait to just like lighten things up this year. Right. Yeah. So I actually, um, 
I created a spreadsheet um, for all for my camera gear when I was pondering which system to switch to. And I weighed all my lenses for my Nikon system. So I had the D800, the 1424, 2470, 7200. And then I had my batteries, my intervalometer, and all that. And that all weighed um, 66.88 ounces. I have the spreadsheet open right now. <laughs> um, and then uh, I did the same comparison like for, um, for all of my Sony gear and it was like half that yeah that's and i was like this is a no-brainer um and then i actually compared like the fuji xt2 i was gonna look at getting that system um just because it's even lighter but i I wasn't super excited about their lenses um not that they're bad lenses but um i kind of like i was really um excited about the zeiss loxia Mm -hmm. the Loxia 21 it's got this just crazy good sunstar so and I've absolutely hated the Nikon sunstars forever <laughs> so and I've always been jealous of those Canon 16 uh yeah. what is that the 16 to 35 28 yeah. yeah like I, I want that sunstar and this Loxia 21 is pretty close to it so yeah the uh, uh that photo you got like from from your rafting trip with the sunstar looked so good yeah and it's like it shoots sunstars like that at like f8 really (laughs) it's crazy so in your in your osprey bag like do you have like an f-stop icu or what are you using for your gear yeah so um i just i use so last year i didn't have an icu i had an icu but i wasn't using it because it's all my Nikon gear, like basically, if you use an ICU, it's like the whole fucking backpack. backpack. Yeah. So I was actually using. Um, I have this pretty lightweight um, Mountain Hardware Puffy, mm-hmm. and I just wrapped one of my lenses in that Puffy, and then I have a, I have a Low Pro um, top loader uh, bag mm-hmm. that's like a. It's a chest. It f- goes over your chest. Oh. Nice. So I use that for my camera and like, you know, one lens. So, so basically I would always keep my camera and one lens on the front of me and then one lens in, in my backpack. But now I picked up, uh, for all my Sony gear, I picked up an F-stop, uh, ICU. It's, it's like the, I think it's the small, small ICU. It's like pretty, pretty small mm-hmm. and it fits all my lenses and my camera and all my batteries and all my filters. Like, like the filters too like for these two t- lenses i have i've got the loxia 21 which is like super tiny like i want to say see i have it right here i can look it's uh 52 <coughs> 52 oh, millimeter filters yeah so like i've got this tiny format high-tech filter system that's like it weighs nothing and the filters are small like it's just totally opened up like what I can do like and not worry about because with the Nikon 14 to 24 I was carrying around that photodiox wonder yeah. system the frisbee that, the frisbee filters yeah that thing weighs like 10 pounds on its own it's like yeah. why am I doing this and then you they're use nice, it for like two so, shots so, yeah <laughs> I know it's I love I had that uh that system for um an older lens that I had and it's it's nice to have, but like it's so big and just like a pain in the ass to even fit in your bag, you know? Right, and it's—I mean, if you're 
<clears throat> one of those people that, you know, which is probably 80% of landscape photographers, I feel like, fall into this category where they, they drive their car to a spot and they maybe have to walk, like, 200 feet or maybe two miles mm-hmm. so they can carry their giant f-stop bag full of gear that weighs 50 pounds and it's not a big deal whereas the work that i'm into now like because i'm i just shoot for me now i don't care if people like it or not mm-hmm. <laughs> and but i in order to get the shots that I, I like to do it's you know i'm i'm hiking like 10 10 15 miles to get to these spots in like the wilderness areas and stuff and it's I want the least amount of weight as possible. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to pick up an Osprey pack. And uh, I have I have the Low Pro Whistler 450 right now. And okay. that has, they have, like, their own little ICU. Um, I'm not sure. I might It might even be too big for, like, the, pe- the pack I want. And it's just too big because I, I end up having some extra room if I'm not bringing, like, all the time-lapse stuff. Sure. Uh, but <clears throat> my buddy just last year, he just got the – um osprey atmos 65 yeah and dude, that's a big bag it's big but it's so comfortable like i don't know if it's something they just introduced or what but they have this like um this weird like webbing system for the back yeah i've got that it, yeah and so it keeps your like some airflow in your back and and just the way that it kind of like floats the weight it's it's insane dude it's so comfortable yeah uh so i I might sound crazy, but maybe it's just my my buddy who got me into ultralight <laughs> talking through me. But like, what I found is if you can, the smaller bag you can bring, the better because if you bring a big sixty-five liter bag, you're gonna fill it up. Yeah, you're gonna find a way to put shit in there that you don't need to take with you. Sure. And so, like, that's why I got this um, Exos forty-eight because well, for one, it weighs less than two pounds by itself, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is like. I only bring what I absolutely have to bring and like it makes my base weight go way down. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Cuz I I used to let's see before I had this I had I'm trying to remember what I was using. Like I had a pretty heavy like Dana Designs like 75 liter pack. Jesus. But I would shit. fill it. Like I would you know, and then by the time you fill that thing up, the like the lightest you could even be is like fifty pounds. Sure. So I don't know. Like, you should get take a look at that um, Exos forty eight. Like, it looks like it's too small, but like, you can fit a lot of shit in there just the way they've designed it, and it has, yeah, and it's still super comfortable. Yeah, I'm excited, it's, man. I'm I'm excited to just like get some some better gear for hiking and and hike a lot this year it's so fun yeah so are you uh gonna do any trips out to colorado at all um i'm not sure man i i don't know we were supposed to actually go out out there um last september like late september um yeah. for the fall color and then um just scheduling didn't work out that's why we went back to utah which oh, was yeah. which was great but um I, I don't know it's so funny like you know just because um, you know, trying to schedule this, it's like, I have a hard enough time figuring out what to have for dinner, you know, like trying to, <laughs> trying to plan stuff out for months in advance is so difficult for me. Um, so you know, I have, I have a bunch of stuff planned kind of around like the Northeast, but, um, I'd like to go out West again, like maybe, maybe like November or something when it, when it starts to look, not look so great around here. Uh-huh. Um, I talked to, you, you probably know Jack Fusco. 
Uh, um, I yeah, we're like, um, no, no of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I talk to him fairly often, and like, um, I told him I want to come out and uh, and I like, go up to Death Valley and in, in that area. But uh, uh, who knows, man? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, that's why I haven't traveled a ton, is because like, there's so much in Colorado that either I want to see again or like I'm I'm just pretty content with like what's here. Um, there's so much man it's it's beautiful (laughs) yeah um so do you is photography your sole income or are you kind of like how how do you make it work uh no i wish i wish it was and it's you know every year i make a little bit more money um but especially in the winter when like the photography stuff is slow i work as a painter i paint houses oh okay um and there's always a fair amount of work because there's so many like summer homes and stuff it's like you know, in the winter when people aren't up, they, they want their, their house painted, like all, right. inter- all interiors, obviously. But um, it's not bad. My dad um, has been painting forever, and I've been doing it, you know, on and off since I was like 16 or something. So it's it's easy. I just listen to podcasts all day, and um, right. the money is pretty good. I don't – I won't say I love it. Like some, some days I absolutely hate it, but um, – it's convenient and it's nice working with him because it's like if I want to go, if I want to go shoot, he's like, yeah, whatever, dude, just go, go do your nice. thing. Nice, that's um, cool. Yeah, it's nice for sure. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to not paint. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of nice in the way it takes some of the pressure off. It's like I don't have to worry about bringing in a bunch of money from photography. Um, you know, doing stuff that maybe I don't really want to do. Um, in that in that world and i can just focus on what i I do like to do you know right um yeah i i'm kind of in the same boat a little bit like i have a full-time job so um and i have a wife and and a a 10 year old son or nine year old but um yeah it's like when i do have the chance to shoot like i have to like you know i have to plan it ahead of time and hope the weather's gonna work out and um, that's kind of why I wanted to lower my weight more too, is so that I could do more. Just like, like leave Friday after work, do like seven or eight miles on the trail, get up, shoot sunrise, maybe you know, hike around a bit, and then come home and not have to like, you know, kill myself in the process, <laughs> but yeah, also yeah. not like have my wife hate me for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always the that's always the challenge, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to kind of try to set myself up in a, in a similar way this year. Like before we started the podcast, actually, I was out. I took the back seats out of my my Rav Four, and uh, I'm gonna try to set up like a nice bed platform back there so that you know on Friday or whatever I can I can go I can just drive and if I need to I can just crash in the back of my car, save a bunch of money, and kind of open open up some doors where it's like even if I don't have a bunch of money for like a three-day weekend it's like doesn't obviously it doesn't cost anything just to pass out in the back of the car for a while (laughs) right yeah yeah that's i mean it's funny like how how much there are some people out there that somehow they find a way to get out and shoot like probably half the weekends of the year at least and then some people that they only shoot like six or seven times a year, which is kind of where I'm at. Like, mm, uh, I don't know. It's just what it is, I guess. Yeah. You got to make those weekends count for sure. Any way you can. Yeah. And then 
the non-photographers with you get super annoyed. <laughs> I <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But. Well, man, it's been really cool having you on the podcast. Um, I ask all of my guests a couple of final questions. Sure. So um, the first question I ask is, um, didn't know if you noticed the name of the podcast, but it's <laughs> F Stop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, and so what I ask people is just what does that title of that podcast, what is that, um, what advice do you have for other photographers based on that kind of idea, collaborating and listening? Huh. Um, you know, as far as like collaboration, like one of my favorite things about photography, about landscape photography is like the kind of the community of other photographers. And like, I love going out and, and meeting up with people, other landscape photographers kind of from the area and shooting because it's, you see people, you know, approach scenes in different ways or, mm-hmm. um, or they process things differently or, you know, whatever, everyone has their own kind of thing. Um, and it can be really cool kind of, you know, rubbing off on each other a little bit and just getting yeah. different ideas. Um, the listen, man, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I will say I was pretty hyped when you told me like kind of the format you had in mind for, for the podcast. It's like, there's, you know, there's a few photography podcasts out there now. And it's like, you know, there's only so much I can listen to a podcast about gear. Um, yeah. Like they're so boring to me. And, um, you know, not to say that gear doesn't matter, but it's like, yeah, we'll 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 take that stuff out of ours. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, of of course we talked about. It. I mean, it's inevitable. You're going to talk about it a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah. But it's like, this is the stuff that's so much more interesting to me, and that's why I was I was psyched that you had Erin on, um, because like, you know, her thoughts on like all the other stuff about photography besides the gear is like that's the stuff I feel like I learned the most from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it, it can be like formulaic in a way, you know what I mean? You approach a scene. It's like, you know, once you kind of know what you're doing, it's like, okay, you, you have your settings or whatever, but, um, like the, everything else about it. Um, that's, I think that's like way more interesting to me, you know? Yeah. One of the things I've noticed about, um, my own photography is that like, if I look back over, like a two-year period or something like that, I'll notice that like all of my compositions have a similar like element to them. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's like the right corner has a anchor and or like the upper left third ha- always has the focal point of the composition or something like that. I've noticed <laughs> I get into these weird ruts and but it's like totally subconscious that I'm doing it. Sure. And I had the opportunity, um, we talked about him earlier on the podcast, uh, Kane Engelbert, yeah. but I've shot with him a couple of times now just cause I've, I've been following his work for ever since I got into photography back in 20, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's such a cool dude to hang out with just to talk about his philosophy and like just hanging out with other people. Like you learn like just weird idiosyncratic things that they do that you can take into your own work which sure. is which is really fun um, and just like and just like being being like amongst the tribe you know what i mean like other yeah. speak the same language and it's like 
I, I don't know, man, like the, the feeling you get when you're hiking with someone or whatever, you know, you're, you're out, out shooting and like the light is just going off or, or right. You're not the only person that's excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And you can just look, you know, look at your buddy and be like, holy shit. Like this is such an amazing thing that, you know, not many people get to experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Cool being, being a part of that. So the other question I ask people is who would you, um, who would you want to have on the podcast? Like who would you, like what, what episode of the podcast would you be like, Oh shit, I want to listen to that person talk. I'm so glad you asked this. Cause I, I was curious if you were, um, I would love to hear, uh, David Thompson on here. Okay. Yep. I've got him on my list. Oh yep. my God. His work is so good. Yeah, he's on my list. I've got a pretty long list of um, of people I kind of sketched out on on a spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, he's he's on there for sure. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. No, that's no surprise. It's so cool yeah. the way that he he kind of does like that that drop. Like he'll just release like a new gallery kind of along the same theme. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's brilliant. Like the. Um, like his one from like the Bayou or whatever. I think it was in like Alabama or something like that. Um, that one was so cool to me because it was like it's an area that you don't really see too often. Uh huh. Um, and like his processing is just so nice. It's like I, I love that. It's like clean and understated, but just like perfect. It's so cool, man. Yeah, I actually learned. I'm pretty sure that he's how I learned it. Uh, so Kane Engelbert told me um, that he picked up a trick from David Thompson of what he does, uh, and maybe he doesn't do this anymore, or maybe he never did, I don't know, but that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but I start doing it now, is he basically, like, he'll pull in the raw file and then, like, either in Lightroom or um, um, Photoshop, uh, what's the, the raw processor in Photoshop? I use Lightroom. Cam- so. Camera. Yeah, camera. Yeah. Uh, basically, like he basically pulls back all the highlights as far as he can take them, unless it looks really horrible, mm-hmm. and then he pulls all the shadows all the way up, and then pulls that into Photoshop, and then like and it looks super, super, super flat, and then like just destroys the curves adjustments like per channel, huh. like. And I've been I've been doing a lot more of that myself. And it's like you don't even have to use saturation or vibrance or anything if you do that. Like it's it's pretty it's a pretty cool technique. And maybe you already do that yourself, I, but I don't know. I've done like a similar thing lately where I can't remember who I saw like really doing it in the, one of their processing videos or something. But um, to like just make things pop a little bit is just drop the exposure like in your raw and then push your whites Ah. Um, and it just like it makes your your highlights and like your brighter areas like really i don't know just like looks really nice and and just by doing that like you introduce enough contrast where like you you know by nature you introduce a bunch of saturation um sure and it's it looks basically the same thing (laughs) sure i I love i'm a processing geek i love like just playing around with some people just hate it but i i love and it's so cool like you know, everyone has kind of their own, their own way of approaching it and, and coming up with, with really nice work. And it can be such a different, a different avenue to get, you know, the same, not the same result, but you know what I mean? Oh, I mean, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Sure. Yeah. Like, 
I, I had a long uh, one of my good friends in Portland, um, Michael Bellino. You probably have mm -hmm. seen his stuff. Oh yeah. Like him and I used to talk all the time about different processing techniques. Like, and it's basically like, yeah, you you can do it that way, or you can do it this way, or you can do it that way. It's basically all the same. <laughs> Just you know, a different way of thinking about it. You know where that's not fun is doing workshops and oh, you're like, okay, you're like, well, there's 800 different ways that you could do this, and you know, one of them will work, but you know, 50 of them might not, and they're like, okay. They're like, that doesn't make sense, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I would love to hear him on. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'll. Um, are you? Do you know him well at all? Or no, just like I'll just like comment on his work and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's like one of those things. Cool. Well, cool, man. I will definitely. He's on the list, so I will definitely reach out. All right, John. So tell me uh, about your upcoming workshops. Yeah. So we have we still have space for our May workshop, which is in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Nice. I'm super psyched to go back there. We went uh, last spring around the same time, and um, you know, for such a touristy area in the spring, there's there's really no one around, so the skies are really really dark, and it's a cool spot. I'm I'm really looking forward to going back. Is your focus mostly on night stuff? Yep. Yeah. So they're astrophotography workshops. Um, okay. We cover so much information. Um, you know, panoramas, time lapse, uh, blending exposures. Like we cover pretty much everything that we know. Um, and yeah, so that's that's at the end of May. I think the dates are the 18th through the 22nd. Okay. And uh, if you guys, you know, if anyone wants to learn more about those, they can just go to the workshop website, which is www.capturethestarsworkshops.com. Okay, okay. Um, I saw that you had workshop links on your website. Does that just go straight to that one? It does. Yep. And, okay. and I think I mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast. Like my website is uh, in, under in construction. Of, yeah. So it's <laughs> I would. Yeah. Might as well just go right to the. Uh, the workshop website. Cool. And then I think you said you had some other workshops later in the year. We do. Um, we have one in Acadia. I think that is full. There might be one space left in that. Um, that one tends to fill up very quickly just because everyone wants to go to Acadia. Um, and then we have one more that's um, in July. Uh, that's in like mid coast Maine. Okay. Um, some of the spots I actually learned, like my first astrophotography shots were that lighthouse uh, with the roses. We're going to be going yeah. back there. Uh, that's the same month when I shot that photo. There's like a ton of just these, these wild roses that bloom up next to the lighthouse. It's it's super, super cool. Hell yeah. Um, so there's and there's plenty of space in that one. So yeah, if people want to join us and learn to photograph the night sky, then take a look.